0: This episode of The Faithful Agent brought to you by our sponsors, Rachel Inman with The Mortgage Mamas and our sponsors at patreon.com. Christians in real estate, let's dive right in and learn how to grow our business and grow our faith.
1: Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of The Faithful Agent Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. Tyler always freaks out because I come in so hot on that so hot. on that intro. <laughs> <laughs> we have the incredible Jonathan Dupree with us today, who I heard about a year ago teaching a class called Career Visioning for any of my Keller William brothers and sisters out there, and just about finding, recruiting, attracting, and then serving great talent. And it was phenomenal. And when I saw him start posting things about his faith and all those going, I just thought, we got to get him on. And Jonathan graciously has agreed to be here with us today. So I'm personally very excited about it. That was by far the best class I've been to in person, and that's saying something, Jonathan. Because I think my classes are good, but in humility, I got to admit that yours was better. I just got to well, say that's every hard. Every instru- me, Tyler,
2: every, every every strong leader thinks theirs is better.
0: <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Do so, not give it him was, justification to talk <laughs> like
1: that, Jonathan. Hey, watch it, Tyler. This is—I'm so glad you're here. There's for so many reasons. No, you give uh, a
2: person a microphone, Tyler, and you just—you never exactly. know where it's going to go. We this need like open church. mic night at church camp open where you open up the mic at at and church. everybody can come up and say all the things they're sorry about that they've done in their life. And then your, the youth pastor's like, how do I get that microphone back? This be yeah, yeah. Right.
1: That's probably the closest description of me being on this podcast that anyone's ever <laughs> had. There, there you, you just go. describe what Tyler thinks about all the time. So <laughs> we appreciate that, Jonathan. <laughs> well, before we dive in with Jonathan, let's do a few Christian jokes. T- what do you got for me buddy?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I like this one. So what is a Christian's favorite card game? Euchre, wrist. Yeah, you guys ever played Euchre? No, I've no? never heard of that game. Oh, oh yeah. man, I love that game. Okay, wait, game. why? Really bombed, I don't get it. But if you okay. don't know what yeah, euchre is, then it doesn't. Euchre is a card game really popular in the Midwest, it's super fun. Oh, it's like, wait,
2: a time out, time out, time <laughs> out. I'm not trying to interrupt you, <laughs> Tyler, but if you got to <laughs> explain the joke, I
0: know, I know, you you're should right. Joke. I you should pull the other it's... joke, your plan B joke out. I've already confessed, that plan B. Dude, but what Jonathan, it is, is you can I come anytime Euchre. So it's, do you? It's Euchar-
1: Eucharist. Yeah. It's a Christian joke because it's Eucharist. Euchre is a game. Yeah. Yeah. All right, let's move on. Okay. So, I, I don't uh, have
2: a joke, but I'll tell you what oh, happened on the, okay. plane, on the plane last night. Please do. Cause I've been, God's really moved in my life a lot. And I've been bringing my Bible everywhere, even though I have it on my iPad, because I just, I like reading from my Bible, marking yeah. it up. And, but also it's, sparks up conversations with people. So this guy on the plane Hmm. last night, I got in at 1 a.m. this morning and the guy on the plane was like, you really believe the Bible? And I said, yeah. He Hmm. said, do you think all the stories are true? And I was like, yeah. He said, well, I mean, like you really think Jonah was swallowed by a whale and spit out. I said, well, yeah. He said, how are you going to prove it? And I said, well, when I go to heaven, I'll ask Jonah. And he said, well, what if Jonah didn't go to heaven? I said, well, then you can ask him. (laughs) you see what i just did there tyler
1: (laughs) that's fantastic i up the joke so great that was fantastic i don't even need to tell it that that was amazing i think we should just end there and yeah. be like, all right, Great. we're just going to have Jonathan Sarcass. for, yeah, we're going to have Jonathan for like four minute segments, just over and over again. Cause that's all <laughs> we did. That was amazing. Well, Jonathan Dupree is with us. I love that brother. Jonathan built the largest independent broker in Louisiana, served at a really high level at EXP. And in 2019, Gary Keller invited him to come join Keller Williams. He is gifted in growing and attracting good talent and helping them succeed and go to the next level. Most importantly, he said he's married for 27 years, got three kids, a 23 year old. A nineteen-year-old and a five-year-old, and he said to us, "No, he's not remarried. He and his wife just still like getting together." Which, amen to that. <laughs>
2: I love it. Yeah, I mean, Jonathan, hey, Jonathan. that's what it's about.
1: <laughs> amen, brother. I'm, we are so glad that you joined us, man. I know you have so much to share, but man, kind of catch us up. That's a lot of stuff that you've been doing in the real estate world. Kind of catch us up to some of the highlights in your career, get us to this point, and we'll just dive into the Lord's faithfulness, brother. But yeah, give us sure. that overview
2: well i think with all the successes you have more failures than you mm. do successes and a lot of times we tend to focus on the failures versus the see the wins and see the successes mm. so where a lot of people go man uh, you're an overnight success they don't see the 30 years mm. of hard work and the failure and then succeeding again and then failing and figuring it out again and We were fortunate, the 30,000 foot view story, we were fortunate to build the largest independent brokerage in the state of Louisiana. I merged it. It was really not a good merger. My partner and I ended up in a bunch of personal guarantees. I went broke, watched our whole empire kind of crumble. And we were like real estate in the city of Baton Rouge. We were number one in market share and for three years. And it just, we just, you can always make one or two moves that, that, Turn things south, but you can also always make one or two moves that pivot you in the opposite direction. I was really discouraged. I had my dream home. I was a trustee forced me because your home's not protected in Louisiana to put my home up for sale with a Remax agent. Now I don't have anything against Remax, oh, yeah, but sure. when you have two or 300 agents in your world and they force you to have a remax sign in your yard and every day i'd pull it out and every day she'd come back and put it back in and i'd pull <laughs> it out and i was like i'm gonna do this every single day <laughs> so like i became a realtor's worst client overnight yeah. and so it's just really embarrassing i was moving into a home that my mother owned a rental home going how did i end up here i've got a baby now and i've mm. I literally everything i built is gone And Gary Keller called me and said, I'd like for you to come out to Austin. I'd never met Gary. I flew out. I met with Jason Abrams, met with Gary, flew back out the next week. And once a week for about a month, I'd fly back and forth. And I was like, why do you even want to be in business with me? i failed. And he Mm -hmm. said, you didn't fail. You ran out of time and you ran out of money. Mm -hmm. And he said, you did some things that people weren't even thinking about in terms of like having multiple different compensation plans in one brokerage, just a lot of different things. And so four weeks later, instead of moving into the rental home, I moved to Austin, Texas and was working as a personal consultant to Gary around growth and the company. And then he pivoted me after a year in. To become the regional director for the Southwest region, which is Arizona and Nevada. So I oversee all the Keller Williams brokerages in Arizona and Nevada and help support mm-hmm. them, make sure they're running like a Keller Williams should run. And I build a bench of talent because anytime an OP frame principal in our world who owns a market center, one of the owners, and they're that managing partner, They lose a team leader, the manager of an office or a staff member, and they don't have a bench, which most people don't. That's why they hire out of desperation. And when you hire out of desperation, rarely do you get the best hire you could potentially get. And so I build a bench and I help them and supporting them and finding talent. So that's what I do on the real estate side. That's kind of like the 30,000 foot view. I got really I battled depression really bad uh, when I lost everything. And I lived in Louisiana, and so I'll never forget, I used to fish every weekend out of a, in Louisiana, we have what's called a piro, which is like a canoe. And I would go fishing, I'd throw my crab traps in the front, throw my traps out, go catch redfish and trout, pull my crab traps up. Go, I did that every weekend. Well, this weekend I went and I was like, I'm never coming back. I've got a great life insurance policy that'll take care of my wife and my family. I'm just, I'm not coming back. And something just made me paddle back in and I was crying as I was driving back home. And I was just thinking, I always tell people you're always 90 days away from changing everything in your world. And here I am. I need, I know in 90 days I can be in a different place. In less than 90 days I was working for Gary Keller living in Austin, Texas and he allowed me to reinvent myself. Now the flip side to that I never got to really process what I went through because I had to I was in fight or flight mode, right? I was in survival mode. My head was down and I was figuring out a plan and working. Then I had the opportunity to slow down a little bit even though I'm still working hard in in that world. I I was under the I had the ability to rest, and as I began to start processing things, man, I don't know. I just, over three years, it was very difficult. I was on a lot of medicine. I saw I had a psychiatrist, the therapist. I fired all of them. I had multiple of them, and I, I wasn't taking my medicine. I'd start. I'd feel better. I'd stop driving my wife crazy. And then about, I'd say, a year ago, I really started doing the real work that we want to avoid, especially men. I used to think therapists were for weak people. I talk about it a lot now because I want people to know how this helped me. My psychiatrist that I see now, I have a great relationship and he helps me. We've got a great plan. My therapist, he was like the first time I met him, why are you meeting with me? I said, well... He said, tell me something about you. And I said, I fired the last three therapists I've had. Uh, (laughs) And he was like, well, why'd you fire him? Well, because they, you know, they tell me to do things and I disagree with them. And so now he and I have this great relationship and he's literally like, call me. I will cancel the soccer mom I'm meeting with to have a session with you. And it's just so, so like I started doing that kind of work. And uh, then my wife moved here because she was living in Texas. My son was finishing high school. Mm. And so I wasn't going to church when I was here. Mm. And then when my wife moved here, she's such a a godly woman. Mm. And I knew we were going to be going to church, which another thing (laughs) men don't do, right? Men don't lead their family spiritually. I'm reading this book called disciplines of a godly man. And uh, man, it just talks about how as a man to be the spiritual leader. And I don't have it figured out. Like I, I don't, I'm not, but what I do know is we found a great church. I, went to a men's retreat. They sat, we sat down in these small groups and everyone's sharing what they took and they get to me and I'm, there's like five of us sitting around in a circle and and you're going to talk about your personal life. And I just said, Hey, I'm the kind of guy that likes to take all my feelings and shove them down deep and not talk about them so you can move on to the next person. (laughs) And then they were like, that doesn't work here. And (laughs) then the guy told me this, I'll never forget it. He was like, what has you so nervous to commit your life to Christ. Like, why are you so nervous about this? And I said, well, because anything I do, I do all in, right? My therapist said, start painting. I started painting. I love it. You probably can't see, but those are a couple behind me. And, I've seen them. Good. Um, and, but now if you walk out into my garage, I have an entire freaking art studio. I mean, it's like a legit <laughs> art studio That's with awesome. the lights and everything. That's, <laughs> That's how I just tend to go overboard in in that kind of stuff. And it's with everything that I do. <laughs> and so I don't know why I was telling you that. I totally lost my train of thought. No, hopefully. You
1: said he asked why you were so afraid to. Why
2: I was so that. afraid. And I said, because I'm afraid that I would go all in. I'm afraid that I'm the guy that would go, I'm supposed to be a missionary. Just pack up everything tomorrow and sell it and go do that. Right. Like, Mm, uh, and I said, and that makes me really nervous because I have a great job. I have a great career, but that was in September. And then you fast forward, one of the men from the group started discipling me. We would meet once a week. And we go through these series of there's there's like seven books, and the, this one is Walking with Christ. But there's like Walking with the Spirit. There's a whole series of them by Nav Press. And so I I do the study during the week, and it asks me like I'm really in. It's a real Bible study, not like a quick devotional type deal. And then we meet once a week and we talk about what i read what it meant to me how it impacted me and so that discipleship really helped me every week Mm. and then we were in church and the pastor was talking about being baptized and i was listening and i was on my ipad taking notes and my wife was like what were you doing in church today And I was like, I was taking notes. Uh, (laughs) And uh, because, you know, she would see me on usually on Amazon or whatever. And so I don't know. God just started dealing with me. And I told my wife, well, I just told her, I said, I want to be baptized. I want to. And I had been baptized in a sophomore in high school. But I said, I have a big platform. And I want people to be able to see me saying, like, not for me. But me saying, I'm dying to my agenda, to my plans, mm-hmm. to my desires, to everything Jonathan Dupree, and mm-hmm. surrendering and living for you. Even though I know I'm still going to be challenged, I'm still going to make mistakes, I'm still struggle with mental health, yet I'm winning more battles than I'm losing, and it's because I'm not fighting them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. That's kind of the 30,000 foot view of no, it's awesome. what I went through and where I'm at now. We were all, my wife and I were at the verge of divorce. We've been married 27 mm-hmm. years and I'll never forget. And this was just a few months ago. I had my worst panic attack. I have panic attacks, and they mm. happen quite frequently. And you don't know what triggers them. They just come. And every time I've had one, people are always like, what triggers it? Can you just think about something different? And I'm yes. going, oh, I haven't thought about that yet. Yeah, that's, yeah, a right, right, that's a great idea. Thank you that's for that, doctor. <laughs> and so it's I, I struggle with that. I have a service dog. That embarrasses me kind of because it's mm. just like, I don't know. I still struggle with a little bit of that, Mm. but I'm also being very vulnerable and open and authentic because I think if Mm. you're not authentic, then we're we're living this fake life. For Mm. me, it's about just being who I am and knowing that God has absolutely impacted my life. So I had the biggest panic attack on that morning. I couldn't go to church. It literally took me a whole nother day to recover from it. But that night I had my biggest breakthrough. And it was like, I just woke up in the middle of the night and I could see everything flashing before me, like a movie scene. It was almost like God was holding one of those little portable DVD players that we had back in the day that looked like small laptops. I don't, you guys might not be as old as me and <laughs> you look way younger, I know but they'd open up and you would put a DVD in and your kids could watch the DVDs and leave you alone while you drove and it was like that's what god had one of those and he opened it up and he's like Mm. what's this what's this Mm. and i literally saw the pain that i caused to people i saw Mm. the relationships that i continue to think were someone else's fault my fault for why they were destroyed or ruined or Mm. hurt whatever it was i saw my wife and how difficult it was living with me. And I woke up in the middle of the night and she started recording because I was just talking and talking and talking and talking. Hmm. And uh, so I had my biggest breakthrough that night. And then God just really started speaking to me. And I think you have to be proactive, right? Like I make it a point to read my Bible every day. I make it a point to Really pray. And when I say pray, like I have a prayer list and I pray for other people. I took a guy with me. This is a great story. And I know y'all are on a time crunch. I had this guy, his name was Gustavo. And I walked into Starbucks by my house. I live in Las Vegas. Go down to the Starbucks and I'm sitting at one of those little small tables with two chairs. There's an outlet. And I'm lucky because it's the only table in there with an outlet. And this guy's trying to plug his computer in and stretch his cable to the next table. And I was like, bro, why don't you just sit in at this chair? You can have the table. I don't even need the table. And so he does. And he's like, thanks, man. And he introduces himself. And I said, what do you do for a living? He said, I'm a realtor. I said, oh, that's really cool. How's your business going? And he said, oh, it's it's up. It's kind of down right now. It's a little bit slow, but it's been good. I said, how long have you been a realtor? He said, since 2001. I said, oh, okay, here in Las Vegas. He said, yes. I said, "Well, that's really good. You must be a decent agent to be in the business that long. And then he talked about the investment properties he has. And he said, I'm with Berkshire Hathaway. Have you ever heard of that company? I said, oh yeah, great company. And then finally he said, what do you do for a living? I said, I'm in real estate too. And he said, oh, who, with who? I said, Keller Williams. Have you ever heard of them? And he goes, yeah, I've heard of them. And he said, so which office are you out of? And I said, well, I don't work out of an office here. I have an office in my home. And I started sharing with him what I did. And then I wanted to teach our agent, our team leaders, how to recruit right, and how to collapse the time frame because we think it takes us a long time to bring
1: someone through this process to hire them. Do you want to generate more leads, create more leverage, and have more life? Do you want to build business the way the Lord called you to by serving and loving people? Well, we want to help. I've sold over 500 homes in just eight years, all by relationship, And I show you how in my eight-part e-course on the foundations of lead generation, just go to faithfulagent.com, click get the e-course to learn more. And just for being a faithful listener, use promo code podcast for $100 off. Now
2: back to the show. And so I just looked at him and said, hey, man, I want to get together again and chat with you. I really loved our conversation. By the way, I'm going to have my assistant send you, we had swapped information. I'm going to have my assistant send you a leadership assessment I want you to take before we meet again in two days. And he said, okay, two days later, we met again. I went over the leadership assessment with him. Then I said, hey, listen, we're having an event in Phoenix. I want you to come to it. It's called Agent Financials. The name is not sexy, but it's going to teach you how to run your business like a business. I'll fly you there with me if you want to come and I'll pay for everything. And he said, why are you doing this? I said, well, you're a cool dude, man. And if you want to go, I'm going to let you go. So just yes or no. And he said, yes. So I purposefully. From Las Vegas to Phoenix, it's only like a 30-minute flight. I purposely booked a couple stops so we'd have a a lot of time to talk. So like, we crisscrossed the country to get to Phoenix. That's fantastic. And, And we had such a great conversation. But in there, in that conversation, this is where men have to get to, I think. And I'm not there. But they have to get to the place where, okay, let me put it this way. Like at Keller Williams, and then there's lots of great companies. So this is just my experience, right? At Keller Williams, you have a team leader. And that team leader in an office is directly responsible for the growth, right? Attracting talent to the brokerage, to the firm. And there's no easy way to do it. It's just talking to people, getting involved with people, but that's their job, right? As as men, it's really important for us to grow in Christ so that we can lead others. And if we're not disciplining ourselves to do that, then we're not gonna witness or share our faith. And so I'm talking to you guys like, oh, Dupree's been this has been like a three month journey for me. Hmm. And well, it's really been like a three year journey of yeah. three months of light. Mm-hmm. and uh, so this guy gustavo i said why do you he said what do i got to?" he said man i met you two weeks ago at starbucks and now i'm sitting first class on a flight going to phoenix mm-hmm. what do we do mm-hmm. what how do i get your job i was like well, <laughs> you can have my job i'll give it to you right now <laughs> but i said why do you want my job he said, well i just want to get to your level i said but why and he just sat there for a minute. I said, earlier, you told me that you grew up living in Section 8 homes. And you it sounds like, and I'm not trying to put words in your mouth, but it sounds like you just want someone to be proud of you. Mm-hmm. And he just stopped and teared up and was mm-hmm. like, I do. And I said, so what I would encourage you is instead of trying to get to my level, what I would encourage you to do is just try to be the best version of you because that's what I try to do. And by the way, you can't be that without having a relationship with the creator. And I want you to come to church with me when we get back. And so this is a guy who we I talk with him almost every day. And I'm at the point where I want to start a little group of guys and bring my mentor in who, who discipled me to share because I have the ability to do that, right? And I need to use my gifts. And I also, though, need to be proactive in Bible study. I need to be proactive in church because that's community, my prayer life, me praying. And the Bible says the Holy Spirit also intercedes for us. Scripture memory. I've got a, a app on my phone called Verses, and I can mm. type in any verse Just I'm trying to memorize.
1: That, I and, love that. Yeah,
2: I use the heck out of it, and it's really helping me to memorize god's word but it, then we internalize it right it's no different than a script memorize it internalize it make it your own mm. you don't make the bible your own but the memorization of it really helps you to internalize what god's words say him and then for you to surrender to that plan or his will and the bible also says that his will is good pleasing and perfect for our life so mm. the moment that we as men, and i know women listen to this too But the moment that men fully surrender, and the reason I don't think they do is because they're scared, because they feel like they're the provider. They've got to have all the answers. They've got to fix everything. And when they surrender to God, they're not the ones doing all that anymore. I mean, yeah, they're doing the honeydew list things, fixing things, but they're allowing God. I'm not fixing my marriage. God has stepped in and intervened in my marriage. I'm not fighting my battles. God is stepping in and fighting them. And I have to trust him enough to be able to step back and allow him to do that in my life. Does that make sense? I mean,
1: absolutely, it does. Absolutely, it does. Yeah, I mean, I love the the way that we can use real estate and the connection that we have with other agents to build relationship around building your business. But then using that as an invitation for them to know Christ, right? I mean, that's the whole point for us in the Faithful Agent Network is that we want to certainly, as believers, we believe we should be the most excellent in what we do, right? Because the Lord has called us to that. So be excellent in what we do, be excellent in our job, be excellent in those things. But at the end of the day, it's faithfulness over profitability. We should still be profitable if you're running a faithful business, right? And you're doing that, you might not be. The Lord might choose for you not to be, but Ultimately, at the end of the day, what does it mean to be faithful above all things? Whether or not Gustavo comes to KW is not the end goal, right? Oh, the yeah. End goal right. Is, we
2: haven't even, we've never yeah. even brought up company stuff. It's been real life. That's stuff.
1: awesome. Yeah. Yeah. This is, but about, if you do that
2: though, hard. even with clients, it's the same thing because most people treat this industry as transactional instead of relational. And it's very much relational. And you're dealing with people who are going through divorces. You're dealing with people who are selling a home because someone passed away. Sometimes you're their psychiatrist. Sometimes you're their therapist. Sometimes you're their person they can vent on. And so, yeah, you're right.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I love that the heart behind this all is that we The Disciplines of a Godly Man is an amazing book. I think it's by R. Kent Hughes, if I remember correctly, but an incredible book for men in particular. Yes, you you got
2: it right. Is it by R. R R Kent? Okay, cool. Yes.
1: Yeah, okay. There's one Disciplines of a Godly Woman as well that I think he might have written. I can't remember, but for our women out there, but I think yeah, the willingness as men to be disciplined in our spiritual walk. We T and I have talked about this before too, but you know the challenge of those things and the willingness to be open and vulnerable with people in our lives that ultimately reminding us the end goal is Christ. I mean, that's the goal. And maybe we, right now we're in real estate, so we use real estate as a means to get the gospel in front of people. And anyways, I just love I love your heart in that in that story with him. But I mean, what are you thinking, T?
0: Man, I thought it was great. I, as we're sitting here listening to you talk, Jonathan, I'm like, the only thing I'm going to contribute today is a really bad joke. And then I'm just going to listen to Jonathan's <laughs> testimony for a half hour, and it's going to be a win. That's right. So that's all I've got to say. But the yeah, one yeah. thing, I, I mean, so many good things, man. And I want to add on to you talking about... Dealing with adversity and as a man humbling ourselves before the Lord to be able to embrace that humility and that vulnerability to share truth. I appreciate you so much doing that here and the way that it honors the Lord to share that you have stepped back and allowed the Lord's story in your life to step forward and take over more so than anything that you've done professionally. Mm-hmm. We're talking about his faithfulness to you and your life. And the story that comes to to mind from scripture that just, I was talking about it this morning with a good friend of mine about Mark 21 is at the end of Mark's gospel when he's breaking bread with his de, the disciples on the beach after he's come back. And just the image of when Peter denies Christ the third time and he's standing around the fire, worn, warming his hands and He denies Christ the third time, and Jesus looks over at him and sees him as the fire lights up his face, and just the amount of weight and shame that comes from a man who Jesus built the church on and around, was in Jesus' inner circle, that he had told him he was going to fail and deny him three times, and yet he still did it. And the shame that he carried in that moment to then, upon Christ's return, the first time he sees him again, is surrounding that fire, lighting up his face, and Jesus sees him, through the lens of the blood that's been poured out on the cross now, as opposed to seeing him for his failures. I think that just that testimony that you've shared is just such a reminder and encouragement to me as we fail in being great leaders of our brides, being great leaders of our families, being good leaders in our businesses, that all of it when laid at the foot of the cross, there's grace and there's forgiveness. We're called to be active and grow and be sanctified in each of those facets of our life. But the abounding grace and love that exists in that just shines through so much in your testimony. And I'm just inspired by it. So I appreciate you sharing that. That's the only thing. Well,
2: like you you said something that I think is really important. Like, I didn't love my wife the way that Christ loved the church. I, I mean, I loved my wife. We It wasn't like we, we were always fighting and that kind of thing. But we were just kind of coexisting and growing apart. And it wasn't because we were growing apart. It was because I was, I I didn't have this relationship with Christ where he took over my life and I'm now learning how to love my wife the way he would. I'm learning how Mm -hmm. to care for her and be vulnerable and let walls down and build a great relationship with my wife and be the spiritual leader. And then I thought I'd just, this was a quote that impacted me and it's by a guy named Sean Bowles. His, the book is called Breakthrough. And he says, influence is when you are not the one talking and yet your words fill the room when you are absent and yet your presence is felt everywhere. And I think when, when you allow God to take over your world and your life and your agenda and your career and he, it, what happens is you're studying his word, you're memorizing scripture, you're witnessing to people, you're growing in your faith, and you're looking more and more like Christ would look versus more and more like Jonathan would look mm-hmm. without Christ. That's right. And now all of a sudden, you're able to influence people, and I've seen it happen without even using words. I got in uh, some trouble for posting Bible verses and i had to make a decision am i gonna mm-hmm. keep posting bible verses or be respectful and say okay i won't do that and that was hard for me because i'm a high d and it's like sometimes the old me's in there and it's the roommate you pray to god never answers the door who, who lives <laughs> with you that's what it's like with me there's the jonathan inside that's like you hope never answers the door and so, so you've got to make decisions at times and what you're going to do. And you, I pray about it a lot. And I was like, you know what, I'm going to keep sharing God's word and keep doing what he's leading me to do. And I'm just going to be respectful and to people, other people. And if, but they aren't driving my agenda mm-hmm. and I'm not driving it god is so so that's kind of what i tell you it's like my world in a a you're going oh my god this sounds great this dude sees a psychiatrist, a couple therapists uh, <laughs> wants some medicine way to go great guest
1: <laughs> no man, but it just I mean, shows all, it, you God
2: can move in your life and you don't have absolutely. to have it all together
1: absolutely. yeah it, it's the beauty of the gospel, as T talked about too, we're broken, right? It's funny that as men, it's like we're afraid to admit that we're broken, even though we claim to be believers or we are believers. Like That's the whole point. (laughs) The whole point of the gospel is that we needed Christ because we are broken, wicked, sinful people that apart from him could do nothing, right? And that's the point. And so there shouldn't be fear in that vulnerability because there's a recognition of that's the gospel. The gospel being played yeah. out in my life is proof of my insecurity or my failure or whatever it is, and yet he's still good. That's the gospel being played out in my yeah. life. So, man, I love your heart and the Lord's faithfulness being so clear in your testimony. Ms. Tyler said, so I'm so grateful that you've joined us yet. Did you want to say one more thing, Jonathan?
2: Well, uh, just, to what, just to what you said, you know, yeah. you, you, fear is normal. But one thing I've really discovered in this last few months is how many of my friends who are men are not the spiritual leader in their family. They're not plugged mm-hmm. in. They're not studying their Bible. They're not like, and I'm not saying that's back. I was right there. I think it's just if men would get their hearts right, it would get our families, our homes right that's and right. Lots of things would change in our world. But yeah, man, I've enjoyed this. This is fun. This I haven't ever been, it's been a long time since I've been on the podcast.
1: Yeah, well, man, thank you for, again, the vulnerability and willingness to share. I think that's so important and for women too. But if you're a wife and you've got a husband in your life, share this with him. It doesn't matter if they're in real estate or not. This is about the Lord's faithfulness and the call as men for us to step up and lead well, as Christ loved the church, which we all fail at. Tyler, especially. No, just kidding, buddy. Wow, uh, <laughs> that's how we're going to wrap it up. Hey, today. Garrett, so, how, uh,
2: what, how, Garrett? What was it? Tell me a little bit about your baseball career.
1: <laughs> My baseball career. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us today. For the record, I was great at intramural softball we love you faithful agents thanks for joining us tyler gets the last laugh that's unfortunate for me but good for our audience because i think they like him more so we love you faithful agents we'll see you next week Hey, Faithful Agents, as always, thank you so much for joining us again. We hope you will continue to help us build the Faithful Agent community by sharing this episode with your friends, tagging the Faithful Agent group on Facebook, and by actually downloading this episode to help us beat the algorithms and get the good word out to other faithful real estate believers. Go to faithfulagent.com and click join our Facebook community to join us, and we will see you next week.